What's good, everyone? Welcome back to My First Kicks. This is episode 125, and this week we welcome D. Wells to the podcast. Now, D. Wells is a historian and overall just inspiration in terms of how to get into the sneaker business without directly working as like a sneaker designer. So well, I learned so much from this episode. I'm very excited to jump in to the episode. Now, I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because, I mean, there's been so much smog out over here in New York City. And it's it's been weird and crazy because when you look outside, it looks like Dune. And hopefully by the time this episode drops on Friday, the smog is out of here. But I would like to just have a audio recording for so that from years from now, people would be like, what the hell? What's smog? And then use Google or maybe, I don't know, whatever takes control in terms of search engines and look up smog from 2023 and see the orange skies over Brooklyn. (laughs) Shout out Pumpkinhead or PH. But uh, rest in peace, PH is birthday recently passed, too. So that's that's my guy forever right there. Anyway. Hell of an episode I have for you and on to where you can find D. You can find him on all social medias as D Wells. That's D-E-E-W-E-L-L-S-O-S-D. That's right. And hit him up on Facebook. He has a. I'm a part of his Facebook group. It's called Obsessive Sneaker Disorder. Very cool. He put, he has programs such as Social Study, and if you look that up, which is very interesting, we talk about it also. So also social media, and we also talk about his upcoming brand. Where he, I mean, he had such a sick hat on during the interview. If you check out the video of this that drops on Tuesday, you'll see it. He has a dope dope hat on that says protect sneaker culture which is currently my goal as i try to bring back stories and just overall individuality back to sneakers one person at a time right especially you who are listening right now but on to where you can find the podcast you can find the podcast of my first kicks pod find you can find the podcast on YouTube and TikTok at My First Kicks. Please, please, please leave a review, leave a drop a like, do as much engagement as you can. Share this on your stories. When you hear this, take a little audio, put it on to your, your Twitter, put it on to your Instagram and tag me. I'll share it on the stories and just trying to get. A lot of engagement going on. So shout out to y'all. Shout out to everybody who's listened to 125 episodes. It's crazy. And who's going to listen to another 125 more? I don't know why I decided to go that way. But on to this week's guest, D. Wells. Hey, D, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. 
Thank yeah. you for, oh man, it's my pleasure to be here. No, this is a huge honor. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly, because I know I've, I added you first on LinkedIn and I was like, oh my God, his, your, your resume was like crazy. Like, I just like so sneaker based and, and just like the, the, I'm such like I, this whole podcast is about storytelling and people's stories with sneakers, not not what the brands are telling us, but the stories that we we hear about what sneakers mean to people and the journeys they put them on. But like you and OSD, like I jumped into the Facebook group immediately after I added you. I was just like, I got to I got to I got to jump into this because I, I just w- Ooh, my bad. Sorry for stealing the, the whole beginning, but like, it's all good. <laughs> but like the the idea of of the sneaker community and sneaker culture was what brought me in was mm-hmm. people's stories. So like, yeah, I just just had to say that in the beginning. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do, man. <laughs> the uh, but for people who aren't familiar with you, how about you introduce yourself? Absolutely. Well, my name is Dijon Wells. Everyone knows, knows me as D Wells, uh, D Wells OSD, Obsessive Sneaker Disorder. Uh-huh. It's a uh, non-curable uh, disease that I've had since 1979 <laughs> and counting. And, um, you know, sneakers, I use them just like uh, photographs to timestamp, you know, who I was with, what I was doing, where I was in the world, what uh-huh. was going on in the world, even, you know, be it politics, be it music and the culture. So um, sneakers are something that I've I've always enjoyed, certainly obsessed over, had more pairs of sneakers than I knew how to count. Mm-hmm. I know the question always comes up. People say, how many pairs of sneakers do you own? Yeah. Well, right now I have more than two years worth sitting, uh, but I've probably owned well over 4,000 pairs of sneakers. Holy smokes. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. That is wild. Mm-hmm. I- it's that crazy. is wild. OSD is real. <laughs> I I I want to say like if led to my own devices, I would probably be up that much. But like, yeah, you know when you got to pay a bill. Like I'm still part of the 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 like when I need to pay a bill or something, one's got to go. So like, yeah, that's where <laughs> that's where I am. <laughs> do what you got to do, man. You know, it's it's a complete. You know, and I always say this is completely. You know, it's a legal hustle. Uh, I'd rather a, you know, a, you or any person, I'd rather you do that, sell a pair of sneakers than to do something that can end up, you know, wind you up in jail, mm-hmm. hurt, killed. You know, it's not, you know, in this day and age now, you can flip anything. I mean, we see it all the time from eBay to Marketplace to Instagram to TikTok. People are buying and flipping everything from Pokemon cards to garbage pail kid cards or whatever. So why not sneakers, you know? No, yeah, for sure. Totally agree. It's a it's a good hustle. I think I think I mean, it gets overblown and people get so upset because I've and I've said this plenty and plenty of times. When it comes to something that you're passionate about, you think that it's uh, personally affecting you because you can't get something, right? Exactly. So <laughs> I, 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 if you, if you have like just the mindset of just like it's all right, there's another pair. It doesn't have to be this pair. You'll be fine, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, to everything nowadays. I mean, you know, be it sneakers, be it uh, clothing, be it, you know, graphic T-shirts, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, hats, steins, stamps, you name it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's totally like vintage collecting has taken such a huge leap in since, since the pandemic. Like exactly. it's 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 
it's just so wild because like I recently because I live in New York, so I went to uh, a thrift shop and I'm thinking like it's just like a regular thrift shop. And then I walk in and I'm like, it's a thrift shop for nothing but high fashion. So like it had like off white thrifted. It had like I was just like this. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get like thrift shop prices. No, it's all like. <laughs> it's basically I'm paying for like if I went to like Bird Off and Goodman, just being like oh. <laughs> it was absolutely nuts. But mm. let's just jump into the question. And yes, it's the, que- the question that I ask everybody each week. And that question is, what's your first kicks? What's that first pair of sneakers you absolutely oh, needed to that, have? That first pair of sneakers had to be the Nike Cortez. Um DeForest Gumps, as people call them. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that grabbed my attention. Um, we're talking Jeez, such an early age. One of them saved up my money for them. Fast forward, was able to buy a pair. I mean, I'm literally holding a pair from 19, uh, 1982. Mm-hmm. Box, it's been beat up. It's, you know, I've carried this thing all over. You can see the tape all over. But nonetheless, uh, 2184 Leather Cortez. It's wild. Crazy in their original box, made in Korea. Um, when I say the, you see the glue all over them from on the heel. Um, I mean, just he just oozes classic, you know, classic, 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 you know, Nike Cortez. Uh, this pair, particularly, um, I had to hunt down this pair because this mm-hmm. the sneakers I had when you know when I was a kid. So I had to hunt down a, a wearable pair. Mm-hmm. Not dare put these on now, but these are from 1982, and they also happen to be in a size size 14. 14. We're able to see which is my size. Mm-hmm. So 1982 size 14, made in Korea. Um, yeah, these are the these are the uh, the ones. These are the this is where it began. <laughs> this is where it began. I'm gonna read a little synopsis real quick about yeah. uh, about the shoe. I'm reading it off of Sotheby's, so right. it's probably gonna be a little bit gussied up just just for just for just for prosperity's sake uh the nike cortez was one of the first nike shoes ever made and came out in 1972 the first year of nike originally made for runners the style transcends sports and has been featured in films such as forrest gump and charlie's angels 49 years later the sneaker remains a brand's a brand favorite the name Cortez results from a response to the Adidas style Aztec, an historical reference to Cortez conquering the Aztecs. OK, I did not know that. That's wild. Let's see. Uh, white upper. Uh, it has a white upper varsity red swoosh and heel tab varsity blue and white midsole. And we see the box styles numbers two, one, eight, four. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. That that shoe. I mean, as soon as as soon as you pulled them out and showed them to me earlier before we jumped on. Yeah, wild. <laughs> as soon as you pulled them out, show, I was like the Forrest Gumps. And um, it, it reminds me of. Uh, so, like, if you go to Bubba Gump, mm. you can you can put your foot into Forrest Gump's shoes. And it's uh. it's Nike Cortez's because they have like a bench that you can sit on for a photo op. So it's it's. Wow. That that I was just like, oh snap! I remember those. <laughs> um, what I guess like, wh- how did you? Why was it that shoe? And how did you, like, th- did you get the? How did you get the money to get it? Or at that time, yeah. during that time, I just remember um, just seeing these sneakers. You know, they're white, red, with a little bit of blue. But that 
red swoosh is what grabbed my attention right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so different. It was so unique at the time. I mean, I was accustomed to seeing a lot of pro Keds and Converse. And again, we're talking, you know, in 1982, there's, there was a lot of skippies even back then. So this brand Nike, you know, um, or Nike, as people would say, <laughs> Caribbean, um, you know, in the Virgin Islands where I was born and raised, it just spoke to me. They really, really did. And I just remember I wanted them so badly. My parents would refuse to spend that kind of money for them. I don't remember exactly how much they cost at the time, uh-huh. but I knew they were expensive. And, you know, my parents were not having, they were like, listen, if you really want these sneakers, you're going to have to go and work for them. So, I mean, everything from delivering newspapers to uh, bagging groceries at the grocery store, doing whatever chores I could do extra for any and everyone. That's how I was able to save up the money. I eventually got a pair um, at a store called Cosmopolitan, which used to be on the waterfront in St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. And man, you would think those things were gold because I would clean them with the toothbrush with my you know, Dawn dishwashing liquid, toothbrush, water, mm-hmm. clean them, change the laces, scrub the laces, put them on the line to dry with some Clorox, get them nice and white again. And then eventually like adding the fat laces to them. So I'd add, you know, the big fat uh, uh, white and red laces and mm-hmm. I was out depending on what outfit I was wearing. So, you know, it was, it was all, you know, we call it from the feet up. I didn't know what it was at the time. I just knew that sneakers were the thing for me at an early age. And I've been fortunate enough, blessed enough to be able to like turn my obsession with sneakers mm-hmm. to a career and something that I get to do all day, every day. I mean, I get to talk about sneakers all the time. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. Even people who reach out to me, like yourself, who say, hey, listen, join me on my show. Let's talk some sneakers. And I'm like, <laughs> Man, I'm in. Count me in. So, no, yeah, I love that. I, I mean, get starting this up and getting that same opportunity is like I could talk sneakers all day. Like it's it's. It's my my through line with anybody to start a conversation or like, you know, exactly. it's I mean, I because I, like I was talking about work before we jumped on here and now I'm being known as the sneaker guy in mm. a corporate office. So everybody like now it's like I, would, I was in a meeting recently and somebody was just like, so did you get any new sneakers this week? I'm like, oh, man, here we go. So they'd be no. like, oh, <laughs> so they're like, yeah, show them. And like I have to I, I get it. I go into the closet. I grab my run the jewels SBs and I'm just like, yeah, these are run the jewels such and such. And I, I tell I tell them about it. Yeah. But, uh, what what how did you I definitely I'm so curious of like, how did you. Like turn when when you were in the Caribbean, right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? I feel like yeah. I say that. Is it really yeah, good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When you're on the islands, like the uh, like, how do you are? Were you just like, all right, I'm going. I got to get into the U.S. and and start doing this mm-hmm. thing, or are you just like, you know what? I'm gonna figure out how to do it here. Like, what was your first steps? Because yeah, there, there weren't there weren't many sneaker you know stores, either athletic stores in the Virgin Islands. Um, the big place for us to go really, and, and this is kind of crazy when I really say it out loud, we would fly from St. Thomas to Puerto Rico, which is only a 25 minute flight mm-hmm. to go shopping because Puerto Rico had all the big malls and all the big stores. So they had, you know, um, the, you know, the athlete's foot, they had the mom and pop stores. You had the big mall. You had either had Plaza Las Americas or you had um, the mall in Rio Pedras. And we would just go over. I'd you know go over with some friends. It would cost us maybe. I remember being as inexpensive as eighty dollars round trip from St. Thomas to Puerto Rico. Wow. 
We took, you know, a couple hundred bucks. You jumped, took the flight, you jumped in a cab, went to the mall, you shopped all day, you ate food that you normally wouldn't get, which they had the huge eatery. Mm-hmm. And it was a true mall experience. We didn't have that in St. Thomas. We right. didn't even have that in St. John and certainly in St. Croix either. So um, going to Puerto Rico was like my big kind of escape. And then when, um, you know, the family and I were able to travel to the United States, to New York City, to Orlando, to Miami, to Chicago, then it was like, it was like, I'm looking through the yellow pages. I'm like, yo, I got to find all the the, the sneaker stores because I got to hit as many as I can in a short period of time. And, you know, that was what I came. I was intended to buy at least one pair. And if I walked out of there or flew back home with two, I was I was a happy camper. Like, that's where my money went. All to sneakers and clothes, but particularly to sneakers. That is that yeah. is I mean, that's beautiful, to be honest, I'll tell you, because like you're on you're you're on you're on an island surrounded yeah. by water. And you're like, this is where people are. I'm pretty sure because like when I go because I'm half Brazilian. So like I'll go back to Brazil. And so people would be like, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm I'm the one that wants to wear sneakers. So, and everybody's there flip flops because yeah. you're by the water all the time. You never know when it's time to just jump in the, in the water. So. It's like, I'm pretty sure you had that same experience of like, oh. you want sneakers. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm the crazy one. But it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how, how, again, we, we took something that no one really paid much attention to. Yeah. They were used for their intended purpose, right? They were used for tennis or basketball or, or football, uh, soccer, you know, um, and they just, you know, they became that thing that, I would literally look at people's feet. I'd go, I remember even being in Puerto Rico, looking at people's feet, going through the airport, going, okay, what brands am I seeing? What ones do I recognize? What ones did I not recognize? I mean, when I saw brands like Diodora or Illes, mm-hmm. um, uh, off, off brands like Lecoque Sportif, like mm-hmm. I remember watching tennis matches with my parents. My parents were big into tennis and that's where it really began for sneakers because my parents were playing tennis and they're wearing Rod Laver and Stan Smith, both of them wearing Adidas. Mm-hmm. But my father particularly was this, you know, big on Arthur Ashe. Like he loved Arthur Ashe and he's wearing these sneakers called the Cox Sportif. And I was like, what is, what does that even mean? Like, what's that brand? And finding out that it's Parisian, you know, it's from France and blah, blah, blah. And here's this black man on, on my TV, black and white TV playing tennis and Wimbledon and winning and just the way he did it. And he just looked so classy. He was a classy, you know, man wearing this brand. Then fast forward to Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and he's Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince are wearing this huge Lecoque Sportif sweatsuit. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I recognize that brand because of Arthur Ashe back in the day. We're fat. I mean, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, we're talking 1987. Right. The sweatsuits, right? So it was just, Everything came full circle. Like, um, again, I never intended to be in the footwear industry. I, I tried to work at Nike. They basically shot me down, said I didn't have enough experience because I was a lowly you know, college student. <laughs> um, nonetheless, I've been able to do some amazing, cool stuff in the footwear, you know, athletic footwear arena. No. Yeah. Before we jump into that, for sure. The yeah. the I'm very curious. Where, like so then 
did you come to the States for, for college and you were just like, I'm, I'm working it. I'm, I'm going for footwear. Like, and then, or, or like, you're just like, or what was your aspect of like, all right, I'm gonna, this is the lane I'm going to take within this. And, and I'm going to figure this out. Like what was your motivation and how, what was your game plan? in that? Yeah. Time? So my, my game plan was really, I was inspired to, um, to leave the Virgin Islands and, you know, leave the islands and head off to the States mm-hmm. for college. And, you know, the, that goal um, was something that seed was planted at an early age from my you know parents and family. It's, you know, mom was a public school teacher. Dad was a, um, a fireman and education was certainly, you know, encouraged, you know, you have to do, I had to do well in school, uh, had to apply myself, but also, you know, they also encouraged me to have fun, you know, play sports and mm-hmm. hang out with my friends and stuff like that. And unfortunately, even though I aspired to to leave the Virgin Islands, my my father unexpectedly um, died my oh, senior year of high school, actually two weeks before my 18th birthday. And um, I really I I really thought at that point I wasn't going to leave. I wasn't going to leave my my mother. I wasn't going to leave my family behind after having, you know, just lost my father. But my mother the strong woman that she is, um, the educator that she is, she's like, no, you've always aspired to, you've always wanted to leave the islands and go off to college. And she encouraged me to still do that. And I did. So I left the Virgin Islands and went to school in Rhode Island, of all places, the smallest state in the continent United States. Yeah. Um, and studied business at Bryant. Uh, it's now Bryant University in Smithfield, Rhode Island. It used to be Bryant College and just about 20 minutes outside of downtown Providence. So close to Johnson and Wales, Rhode Island School of Design, Brown mm-hmm. University, things like that. And um, what was that culture shock like? It, it, you know, because of the exposure, again, from the family and growing up in the Caribbean and having having to deal with a lot of tourism in the Virgin Islands. Right. Everything was based upon tourism. So I knew how to interact with people of all different shapes, sizes and colors. But moving to Rhode Island was big because all of a sudden I was, instead of being in a predominantly black and brown community, mm-hmm. I truly was a minority, if you want to, you know, for lack of a better word. And um, I also realized a lot of people in the New England area hadn't traveled. Like I had been to more places and knew more about their region than they knew. And I'm like, okay, so you do realize Providence was known as the Providence Plantation, right? Because of the slave trade. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Look at the full name. Like, and this is not, this is pre-internet days now. Yeah. So you have to go to the encyclopedia and go to the library and do your research, right? You're over there so, like, I'm going to give you the the Dewey Decibel numbers real quick. Exactly. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so we're talking about, you know, so it was culture shock. But at the same time, I love, my experience was good. I was open to all these different experiences. I went up to parts of like New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont that I had only read about in books. Um for me, it was being close to, I really wanted to go to school in New York. Like my goal was to be at Columbia University, but unfortunately I got waitlisted there and I was going to go to Bryant and transfer, never did. But there's a reason, you know, I say God doesn't make any mistakes. There's a reason why I ended up at Bryant. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why I was able to meet and be, become friends and lifelong friends, you know, meet my, my future wife. Um, also great experiences came out of that. And still yet be close enough because I'd be able to, you know, get back and forth between Rhode Island and New York City, you know, by car in three and a half, four hours, by train or bus, you know, call it five. It was easy. I, I'd get my fix, though. I would get my, I call it, get my 
my New York City vibe fix on it because yeah. there's an energy about New York City that is undeniable. I would be, I remember times driving and being tired, but as soon as I hit like New Haven, I could pick up the New York radio stations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the heart is a different beat. The vibe is called rushed. Because <laughs> I, like I like that. I'm gonna have to use that. I will use that, and I'll give you credit for that. Right? But, it's, but it's, it's true. There is a different yeah. vibe. So and then you know that New York City. I mean, it is the mecca for fashion mm. sneakers. Like, I mean, everything from you know being downtown Brooklyn, which is where I would go and do all my sneaker shopping, mm. or I'd troop up to the Bronx, Fordham Road, because I had my cousins up there, and they'd be like, "Yo, come visit." So I'd go up there and visit them. But I had to hit all the sneaker stores too, right. man. And get sneakers or look at the sneakers that weren't available in other parts of the city. Mm -hmm. you know, like, be it, you know, different Puma uh, Clydes or be it different Nike sneakers, um, you know, Adidas sh shell toes that all of a sudden you're like, oh, these aren't available. These snake skin ones here in the Bronx aren't available in any other borough. Why mm -hmm. is that? Like, so New York is a whole nother vibe. Rhode Island was a different vibe, but nonetheless, it, it helped shape. Were you around when, like, in the early 90s, like, Bobito and Clark oh, yeah. Tenth was going around oh. New York City just collecting, like... And, you know, I, I would... I, I was. I mean, I was... I technically moved in 1991 from the Virgin Islands to Brooklyn, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that was my first move. And then going to college. But my other home base was Brooklyn, New York. Like, mm -hmm. that was where I would go, you know, during the summertime or long weekends or whatever from school. And, um, you know, I, I, I heard about Bobito because I heard about him from his ball playing, mm -hmm. you know, all throughout the city, you know, yeah. West Forth, be it the Rucker, things like that. Clark Kent, he was on the radio. So mm -hmm. I knew about him through um, the uh, Mr. Magic Marley Mall show mm -hmm. on the radio and Clark Kent was DJing. And I was like, okay, he's using this name, Clark Kent, DJ Clark Kent, like envision him being this big guy and he, he is he's a he's a big man and just his personality and what he would be able to do with music right like just continues to speak to me um and then you hear about uh just different players all throughout the city and you'd go to these different courts and i'd just be like going wow watching the game but also what am i looking at i'm looking at people's feet yeah wearing air force ones who's rocking with the strap you know hanging in the back who's, who's rocking the mids Who's rocking the mids? Which there weren't mids. It was either it was either highs or lows. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking the early. You know, we're talking early nineties, and then you know, be it Adidas forums, Etonic, uh, Spot built. Um, oh my goodness! I mean, there's so many, and this is all like you know, blacktop ball, yeah. no blood, no foul, hey. and they eventually the avias during that time. I think like yeah. be it the eight twenty fives or the eight thirties. You know, John Sally, Spider Sally was rocking those in the league. This is when the bad boys were doing their thing, back-to-back -back champions. Um, you know, or or Reebok, you know, BB 4600s. Mm -hmm. so you had that whole team, Robert Parrish, Bird, obviously, with his weapon. Um, and then eventually, fast forward, D. Brown with the pumps. I mean, mm. like, that whole... That was earth-shattering at that oh, moment. Oh, man. Like, I had to have those. I had to have those. I mean, I, I think I probably have, like, one or two pairs sitting, but 
if I try to pull them out, they probably disintegrate. <laughs> you know? That pump is not working. You better be like, not working. That, that ball's one, one pump in, it's just going to go Done. right in. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's wild. I, I mean, I, cause like I came after, right? Like two okay. thousands. That's where I want to say like, before we jump back into the episode, I want to talk to you about Drops and Collect by Soul Savvy. With Drops and Collect, you are able to stay ahead of the game. Using Drops, you can enter raffles and set alerts for any and all restocks. It will help you never miss another release ever again. And after you cop some fresh kicks, use Collect to manage your collection. I'm also still in the process of adding my kicks to Collect, and it I'm telling you, it takes some time. But what's really cool about Collect is that you can also make trades with no fees if you're a current member. But don't worry, if you aren't a member, you just have to pay a flat rate of $8. Now, how do you get to these apps? All you have to do is use the link in the description of this podcast or in the link tree for this podcast. Download these apps and grow your collection by helping the podcast. That's right, just use the links in the description and start expanding your collection today. So like the nineties, I feel are when I look back at it or like when I read into it, it's like nineties is the, the idea of sneaker culture. Two thousands mm. is when people were like, Oh no, nah, this is how you got to do it. And you know, mm. like it took the 10 years, that century mark of just being oh, like absolutely. for you to, for people to be like, no, no, no. Like we are a community, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I like, I don't know what it was like. Were you able to be around the birth of that? Like, I mean, it felt like, like the birth of hip hop, like were you around <laughs> to be like, <laughs> were you, were you around during that time? Because I mean, you know, you're, well, the one thing, cause like I had this thought in my head, you were, you were basically the sneaker community in on the Island. You move, mm. you move to Brooklyn. You're noticing. Right. Oh snap, there's other people like me. Yep. And then from there you build community because that's right. that's the through line. But then you're like, okay, I'm going to college and I still do my commuting during this time. So like were you around and seeing the the culture being being bred and bought because the only reason I'm bringing this up is because of your hat. So like oh, I just absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but well, yeah. Well it's and, and you know the the sneaker community is just that it's a culture. It really is like my culture in the islands was really my cousins. So my cousins, David and Cornell, the three of us were like the, like we were the sneaker community. Mm-hmm. Everyone would look to us because we always, one, we had the fresh kicks and two, we had them before everyone else because of our connection to New York city, mm-hmm. our family, you know, who lives in the States, we would hit them up and like, yo, send you a money order. I need you to go get these, Air Max ones in size 13 and then ship them to me here. You know, here's a money order with extra for ship. Like we were doing that mm-hmm. in the eighties. Fast forward, you know, David graduates before me moves to New York. I graduate 91. I moved to Brooklyn, eventually go to school around, but we were all together and we, you know, the community of, of sneakers came out of hip hop. Like mm-hmm. there's no denying that like hip hop gave birth to, the sneaker culture, right? Yeah. And being in New York City for me, that was like, I I got to see everything. I got to see how people were wearing everything from 
the women wearing high heels on the subway walking through the city to then all of a sudden, like summer of 89, I'll never forget being in Manhattan because I'm working as a production assistant. This is before I graduated high school now. And I'm noticing a lot of women wearing what? Reebok 5411s. And I was like, wow, a lot. I mean, we're seeing, I'm seeing white. I'm seeing the, the bubblegum pink. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing yellow ones. And I'm like, okay. And I would see women with their little bag because what they were doing was what I was doing in high school or elementary. They would wear their sneakers and then get to the office and then change into their high heels or dress shoes. I was going I want to make this joke. Just I just want to make this joke real quick. Switch into their Malone bonics. <laughs> I I was doing that when I was in elementary. I wore yeah. I went to a parochial school, right? Mm-hmm. Or in the islands, we all wear uniforms. So it doesn't matter if you go to public school or if you go to parochial private school or not. You wear a uniform. The uniform was you had to wear black or brown shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? This guy, I had to have my sneakers on. I would carry my black or brown shoes. Uh, get to homeroom just before the bell would ring. I'd switch, switch, right? Put my dress shoes on. Be it my 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 Eastlands, be it my Bally's, be it whatever shoes I was rocking at that time, my Timberlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then soon as the bell would ring at the end of school, switch back. Put my mm-hmm. sneakers back on. My Bo Jackson trainers, my Air Jordan um, fours, fives, um, um, uh, pony. You know, city high wings mm-hmm. that Spud Webb wore. I mean, I I would always switch my sneakers, and that's how I kind of became. I became known as the sneaker guy unofficially, even in my class. Like, you know, I remember introducing. <laughs> this is how crazy it is. <laughs> 1986, I I discovered the Timberland 5009. Okay. So 5, you can look up. That's a three. I'll have to. It's a three eyelet, hand sewn burgundy moccasin. Uh-huh. It became the parochial school shoe that Timberland makes. It's got a big lug sole. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. They brought these back. Yeah. And they recently. brought it back. Yeah. So I've been buying that shoe since 1986. I introduced wow. that shoe in the Virgin Islands. People used to make fun of me. My boy's like, yo, you wearing high heel shoes, whatever. Look. Next year, what is everyone rocking? 5,009. 5,009. Or if they didn't want to spend the money because they were expensive, they would get the Eastland version. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Perry Ellis, but I'm pretty sure Perry Ellis wasn't there. Wasn't Perry around Ellis, the... Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. But nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, so the whole culture, like you said, the whole sneaker culture, footwork culture, all that fast forward. I got to see it and think about it. Like when the first Jordan was retro, the first Jordan that was retro was 1994. Right. And guess what happened? They sat. And they got marked down. They were in bins at that point. Exactly. That's, why, that's why the skaters were skating them at, at, once they got to them. So, yeah. So, like, I got to see all that. And then, with, obviously, with the onset of the Internet, that opened things up. Like, mm-hmm. I remember being on the Internet in 95. And the Internet was just, like, talk about, like, baby, baby steps. By 96, is more, there's actually, like, rooms, chat rooms. There's, like, AIM chat rooms and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And people are talking about sneakers. And then all of a sudden, someone figured out how to create a website and actually put a picture, scan a picture, and somehow put it on this website. Fast forward to places like Nike Talk. I discovered Nike Talk in 1999. That's when I first, you know, I was like, wow, there's actually a whole community of people like me that are like us 
talking about sneakers and can tell you stories or like how they look for a particular pair of sneakers. And then when they get it, what is like that eureka moment. So, yeah, I mean, to see where it is now with everything from Instagram to TikTok. Yeah. It, it, you know, here we are on a podcast, on your podcast, talking about sneakers. Who knew that this is what <laughs> you do? Here we are in 2023, you know, hip hop is celebrating 50 years this year. Right. So sneaker culture is just as, you know, is right there. It's 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 really wild, right? This ride that it took, you know, mm. and then like where we are now. And I, I really wanted to touch on the, the current state of it now yeah. because the and I, I mean, I've had conversations about it. I mean, there's a lot of people that complain about it the way it is and, and how it is. And, and I think the uh, see. This is such a touchy subject, but I like to I, I pushed I pushed the button. I'm down yeah. to push the buttons, but I don't think there is a sneaker culture now. I think there's people that think they're in the sneaker culture. But okay. then when you call them out on like, oh, so you don't understand like how this all started. Mm-hmm. And then you try to ask them or like because like, look, I'm I'm on TikTok. I make TikToks, right? And then I'm the only one or I'm one of the few people that will talk about the story or talk about the influences of the shoe. So, for instance, my one of my recent ones, I talk about Action Bronson's New Balance, right? The the baklavas, they drop. People are saying it's ugly, it's ugly. And then I go, but. You have to understand how colors work and you have to understand where sneaker culture comes from. Right. At one point, everybody in the sneaker game or whatever you want to call it, who was collecting sneakers, just they only wore bright stuff. And so for such a long stretch, it was who's the most outlandish. Oh, you're wearing cheetah print. Oh, snap. Nah, you we know you we know you part of it, you know. And so when I try to explain that to kids who just who just only buy, you know, oh, the 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 Travis Scott's or the whatever's night, whatever sneakers is pushing and saying like, oh, yeah, it's the new hot stuff. Yeah. You know, I I think it's it falls on deaf ears when you try to explain what a cult, what culture is. And then mm-hmm. and then how do we how do we expand on that instead of you know, siloing it. And, and and then when you, and then people getting called gate gatekeepers, but then it's just like, it's, I mean, I don't know how much you've dealt with this, but. Oh, <laughs> but, all the time, all the yeah. time. I mean, this, this brand is, is, is just that it's called protect our culture. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a new brand that's, you know, we're in the midst, uh, you know, of launching. I'm in the midst of it's, you know, our brand that we're about to launch. And it's just that it's protect secret culture where, you know, culture is to be celebrated. We're, we're not all like the same stuff, which is just that. We're all human beings. We're all different, different shapes, sizes, colors, you name it. So sneaker culture to me is going to be different than for you. And right. that's okay. We can agree to disagree. It's just like I can look at a pair of sneakers and every sneaker is going to give me or evoke a, an emotion, right? Either I'm going to love it or I may hate it. And it's either or. I may look at a sneaker in the beginning and say, man, that is ugly as trash. Uh-huh. But then I start seeing it more. And then I start doing research on the story or the design inspiration, things like that. And then I start liking it. And eventually I may actually love it. Uh-huh. And that's amazing to go from one, you know, one end of the spectrum all the way to the next one. 
and be able to have a disagreement with someone, but be like, oh, if you don't like it, all right. Yes. For example, I remember the first time I saw, you know, the Nike Yeezys, I was like, horrible. Can't stand them. Mm-hmm. I saw the design. I see what he did and, and mashing it all up. But I appreciate what he did for the culture. Right. At the point in time. Even fast forward to the Yeezy stuff, what he did for the culture. Again, I know the designers behind them. I know Stephen Smith. I know Jeff Henderson. I know some other folks that had a direct hand in design those sneakers. They're not for me. And that's OK. But I still can identify and say. I, I know what it did for the culture. I know why he did what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, one of my favorite Jordans, people look at me and I'm like, why do you like that sneaker? It was different. The Bordeaux Air Jordan 7. Right. You know, I have my original pair from 1991 still sitting here and uh, never worn. And um, that sneaker will always be important to me. That That is my, that's my, you know, greatest of all time sneaker. Mm-hmm. Well, my second in line would probably be the, you know, the Air Force uh, 180, Charles Barkley sneakers, uh-huh. blue, red, you know, simple. Um, then you get into like Puma Clydes and stuff like that. But lately, I mean, I've been like on a New Balance, you know, Air Max one kick. That seems like like I, I literally have like three or four pairs sitting by the door. And I'm just like, whoop, that's what I'm wearing today. Keep it moving. You know, mm-hmm. the culture is just that it's, it's going to continue to change. It's not going to remain constant. Right. You know, we need people like you. And ultimately us to keep telling these stories so people understand the history, because if we don't do that, people forget. Right. This, you know, your show is very important because at some point we are no longer going to be here in the physical, but someone can go back and look at it and say, on this date and time in 2023, you know, Hassan and D were talking about sneaker culture and now it's 2033 or it's whatever, you know, 50 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Wow, look, look what they were talking about back then. Look how things have changed. Either some things got retroed and recycled. So, yeah, I mean, you bring you bring a, a very important point, because I think what is rarely lost now is the ability to have a conversation like everybody's so opinionated on what oh. we should we should like what we shouldn't like, because yeah. like. Perfect example. And I mean, I talk about this in my last episode, uh, mm. one of my last episodes, but I made a video about the Air Jordan 16s and how I don't like them. Right. Mm. <laughs> I made a couple jokes because these are and I, I so what I like to do is I don't just go. I don't go. You're wrong. You shouldn't like them. I go. I don't like them. Here's a funny story about them. And then I make a I make jokes. Right. Man, I'll tell you, I'm getting la- I was getting lambasted like <laughs> What's yeah. wrong with you? The 16s are fire, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I told the story in the story and they just they just threw the story away. They were just yep. I'm wrong. And I'm just like, what? But like, I remember having like you can the best part about being in sneakers back in like 90s, 2000s was like you can have an opinion. Mm. Right. And then you could just you could just have the battle of being like, okay, you like these these, all right, cool, but I'm still not gonna like them. And then you right. just and then and then yeah, exactly. Or and then it's also like, oh, okay, I understand it. And then you you start coming around on it, you start loving it, and you're like, all right, now I need a pair. Like exactly. But it but it's it's the 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 chance the that one chance of like now you're being put on a journey. But people are mm. so quick to just chop you at the legs and not let you 
come like come to get on a journey for any specific pair right um it's it's just it's so daunting and i don't know like and it, that's why I think like I understand when it's like people that are who are new into just like trying to buy sneakers and they're they mm. feel like they're being gatekept about it or like, you know, because they can't they don't understand that, you know, you can just get a shoe treat and you can have your own story based around this shoe. And that's yeah. once you tell that story, you sold that shoe to that person. Right. You have the conversation starter. So just continue doing that. And then your collection will grow. You'll have sneakers in your collection that mean so much more than something like than uh, Nike telling you, OK, this is a story about such and such, you know. So well, that's it. And that's where social media and you're absolutely right. Social media and the so-called influencers came on board. Right. Like mm-hmm. because they do just that. They've influenced how we as consumers buy stuff. What do we think? You know, all of a sudden we're being told what is cool and what's not cool. I'm like, if you think this pen is cool, then, okay, that's your opinion. I could think it's cool too, or I could not, but it still doesn't, that doesn't mean I don't like you. Right. It means like, I could take my hard-earned money and buy this pen, just like I can take my hard-earned money and buy this sneaker. Again, someone may look at this and say, that is the most ugliest piece of leather and rubber I've ever seen. I'm like, this is a wearable piece of art to me. I can't wear it right now. I can uh-huh. put it on display for us to talk about on your show and talk about the history of it. But again, that's how I look at sneakers. They're wearable pieces of art. You either like them or you don't. Uh-huh. Um, some are going to resonate. But to me, I like to dive deeper into the who designed them. What was their inspiration? Uh-huh. What is the story there? And then be like, okay, so what problems, right? What problems does it address? Mm-hmm. You know, does it fix something or does it address a problem for me or for the intended audience? You know, be it sneakers now that you could put your feet in that you don't actually have to bend down and tie because they're auto lace systems or or um, or just think about with kids with Velcro and leaving light up sneakers like that was a huge. I mean, that's a huge business that right. came out of right of, mm-hmm. of just a simple need. Like kids don't like to tie their shoelaces. They just want to be able to put them on. And what do they want to do? They want to go play. They want to have fun. They don't mm-hmm. want to be spending time, bunny ears and through the loop and Velcro, slap, slap it closed. Boom, gone. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I totally want to talk about like your inspiration into starting, you know, social studies and, mm-hmm. and uh, sorry, I was, I tried to memorize all the, no the all the, all the, the organizations yeah. and, and classes you, you put on, but I, can you so, break that break studies, down? Yeah. Social studies came out of mm-hmm. literally doing the podcast. So starting the OSD podcast in 2007, mm-hmm. um, we realized that we had people from all the brands listening to the show and learning from us uh-huh. and and really realizing that what we were doing was teaching about the footwear industry so we took it one step further we created social studies on purpose to actually teach you know people particularly young folks either one how to get into the footwear industry and work at one of the companies or possibly even start your own company uh-huh. or your own basically your own brand um so we started talking about that and the more and more we've we've you know, had these workshops and classes, they've just grown. I mean, right now, you know, we're in the midst of another growth phase for OSD and social studies. We're about to open a community academy in New York City. Wow. We're going to have classes. People will be able to come in and actually sit through uh, multiple, be it a three-week, four-week, 
or even a six-week program and learn all about the industry. But then also, if they really want to, go and either intern or get a job at one of the um, footwear companies. So we have some really cool stuff. I think, you know, your viewers and listeners are going to want to hear and see. Um, so I'm certainly encouraging, you know, people to, to follow me, D Wells OSD on all social media platforms, follow social studies, um, S-O-L-E-C-I-A-L, mm-hmm. social studies on Instagram. Um, but we have some stuff really coming because we, we don't want to, again, we don't want to be the gatekeepers. We want to take what we know, take the network that we've built and actually share it with as many people as possible because information we know is really, it sounds cliche, I know, but <laughs> information is key. If you don't know, that means you're losing out on an opportunity. But if you know something, if I can help you learn something or get a, a little further step down the road, that's a win. You know, that's a win where all of a sudden I helped you and now you can help three or four people. Let's multiply that. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get more black and brown people in the footwear industry because guess what? I just don't want us all to be consumers. Mm-hmm. Let's be creatives too. What if you have this beautiful idea to take and create a brand that's based upon your story, your life, and your cultural you know, background with Brazil and everything else? And all of a sudden you can further that and again, inspire some you know, young ladies or some young men somewhere. And again, it, it, it lights that spark for them. So that's what it's about. That's what social studies is about. I mean, we've been able to teach social studies in Germany and in, in France, in the Caribbean, in, you know, in New York City, in Boston, uh, in Houston, Texas, uh, all over. So we're, we're, we're expanding. We're growing. We're growing. The, so then how do you talk to the kids about like, you know, you can expand on this. It doesn't have to just be, you know, posted buying sneakers and posting them on the gram. Like, how do you how do you talk? How do you talk to these kids like that? So we use we use sneakers as a teaching tool. I mean, I, I wish huh, I wish teachers back when I was in elementary through middle school and high school had used sneakers to really connect with me. And that's what we've done. You know, we're using basically sneakers to teach uh, not just STEM, science, technology, mm-hmm. uh, engineering, and mathematics. We actually are teaching STEAM. You can't forget the A. The A is the arts. I mean, people like to draw and sketch. You know, people like to doodle. So take what they're doing on a daily basis and let's help them take that and maybe go from pen and paper or pencil and paper to now digitizing that. And then, well, again, working through the ideation process. Like, Maybe you have an idea to make a backpack better or a water bottle better. There's someone that designs everything that we use. That's mm-hmm. what we use to teach these you know, young folks. Like I use a pair of sneakers when I go into the classroom because guess what? This is a tangible visual and people see this swoosh and the kids, they know it, right? Right. Say, well, do you know that there was probably 15 jobs, 15 jobs to make this sneaker come to a, a store shop? Everything from sourcing materials to the marketing to packaging to shipping, you know, procurement, all that accounting and finance. So we talk about that. And then all of a sudden, what does that do? It opens their minds to like, well, I like math. I want to do the cost analysis on that sneaker now. Or I like the storytelling, a.k.a. the marketing. Okay, now you can do that. So, again, it's taking sneakers and using them as a teaching, you know, teaching tool to really open, you know, young folks' minds. And it's not just young folks, it's really everyone because we've gone from elementary as young as probably uh, third grade 
mm-hmm. all the way up to MBA programs and, and professionals at different companies. Like we've gone into companies and actually given the history of a sneaker that the employees didn't even know about their own brand. Wow. And we tie in the cultural significance or touch points, like talking about Reaganomics, talking about hip hop and public enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, 911 is a joke. Uh, KRS one boogie down. Again, making these connections to pop culture, even where all of a sudden someone's going, that was my childhood. Like mm-hmm. I was living through that movies, like fast times at Ridgemont high and just Piccoli knocking his head, you know, with a van slip on and checkerboard or, you know, or, um, white men can't jump or boys in the hood. I mean, all these, like all these, again, movies that we could talk about sneakers in them that people like, I didn't realize that. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, do the right thing. I mean, look at I mean, Spike Lee bugging out. I, mean, I, mean, I need those. Off. I need those. I mean, come on. <laughs> I need those fours, man. man. I, I have I have some M4s, but I need those uh do the right thing fours. It's yeah. it's I that's that's so dope because we we'll use that's, all the touch points. Yeah. That's yeah. what we that's that's really dope because I will say that is the most fun part for me, right? Mm-hmm. I love I love like connecting the dots to go to that and like exactly that, that's that's what I love about sneaker culture in general because like when I first got into it and you know collecting SBs like you learn about these skate shops, you learn about why they put these sneakers together and why what they use, what did this represent, what is the community around the shoe, um, but like learning because like my my big my big, big, big obsession was uh, <laughs> it's the uh, boutique shops from back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. You got your Red, Red, uh, um, Recon, North, uh, DQM, uh, so, uh, Clientele, um, you know, like I, spots. Yeah, yeah those, those were my spots that I frequented every single day for like five years. And mm-hmm. so um the what like like that's where my my knowledge comes from right so like you know i love hip-hop and stuff like that uh but like the the idea that like you can you can start your own little shop and then you can get nike to sell you sneakers so that you can sell sneakers then if you sell enough you can get your own sneaker like it was like i was like this is possible like that's <laughs> that's 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 the way i looked at it i mean i even had dave ortiz on this podcast and i was like i spent the whole episode just being like oh my god you don't know what you mean to me like <laughs> so so um awesome. it, yeah it's yeah. it's just it's just a, a while like the circle that you can see where it connects back to you right because like that little series of of the clerks the clerks pack that Nike put out right that series started this crazy obsession with different materials different colors and having meanings um with dunks and, and or with the Air Force One I'm not I mean with the with the Air Max One or with a you know like um like even with the artist series and 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 I'm a big graffiti head so like mm-hmm. I love like all like Hayes and and uh Stash and and Espo like all that stuff like I once I jumped into sneaker culture like the actual sneaker culture not just being like okay I'm only going to buy this specific shoe because I love this shoe once I jumped into it it was like, oh my God, there's, it was just like peeling, like you just peel the onion and, and you just keep going. You're like, whoa, there's more onions. Like you just keep going. This. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I love that you're, you're, you're taking that, the, that aspect of sneakers mm-hmm. and expanding it 
wider than just going back. So yeah, that's Absolutely. it's super it's super sick. Yep. <laughs> uh, but so as we go down to the end of this podcast, okay. I have one last question. Yes, sir. All right. I want you to remember about the time where you just where you bought those Cortezes, those the, mm-hmm. the first when you were a kid that we're going right. to kid, right, kid. Now, before you open that box as a kid, you, you yourself now goes back in time and you're standing behind yourself. What would you tell little D mm. as they as he opens that box? To remember this moment in time, to remember how hard you worked to save the money to buy them. You, you bought these things with your own money. Um, enjoy them or enjoy them for their intended purpose to wear, you know, be it to run a little bit, <laughs> but more importantly, you know, to look good and feel good. So you remember that, you know, remember the moment, like live in the moment, soak it all in, take your time, open the box observe pull them out if you want to sniff them and smell it that's okay but just to be able to hold them you know as i would i mean i'd be like just hold it and look at it and observe and look at all the little things like the little details of stitching um the sole even the glue like how it was done like someone someone's hands touched that sneaker before you did and there's a lot of people that were involved to get it to this moment in time. So I would say that I'd say all of that. And um, then I'd probably end with, with you'll be forever changed mm-hmm. because of this moment right now. You may not know it right now, but you'll be forever changed. Not to kind of do any back to the future, changing future. <laughs> I still would be like, your life is forever changed. Yeah, no, there's, there's no, we're not, we're not, we're not, you're not disappearing in the, in the picture and you, you're not going back in time. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. man, beautifully say, thank you. Beautifully said, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast, D. And Thanks for having me, Hassan. I really appreciate yeah. you. And for everybody out there, you know what we say every week, wear your kicks. Peace.